0: As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner, and tonight we're going to continue talking about why we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I want to begin by saying something we haven't said so far. The gospel was born in the Middle East. It is Eastern and in the eastern world people were very open to spiritual things but as you move west people become more heady they take all that knowledge they can it they examine it they have to understand it but if you go back to the eastern world the eastern world is more open to spiritual and what you would call mystical things mm-hmm. but the further west you go more cognitive it gets people become more cognitive it's harder for them to embrace the supernatural And so the Western world has had a really hard time embracing the gifts of the Holy Spirit. In the Eastern world, even in the Russian world, people are very open to spiritual things because that is the mindset in this part of the world. And so I think that when you live in the Western world, you have to really be more intentional about putting your brain aside so that you can move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, you're not unintellectual if you move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit really makes you brighter it makes you sharper but sometimes people have mental blockers simply because they're in the Western world where everything is examined it's put under a microscope it's discussed in the Eastern world they don't do that they're open to dreams visions revelations they don't even have to understand it it's just two totally different ways of thinking and so sometimes if you're from the Western world it's harder simply because that's a Western kind of thinking. Is that true, Paul?
1: It's normal. Every, I would say every Sunday, someone comes up and says, I had a dream. We're talking about in our church. In right? our church in Moscow. It would be normal for someone to say, I had a dream. What does this mean? And sometimes I say, I don't know what that dream meant. And if you don't know, I think you should ignore it. Or perhaps this dream does have a meaning. Maybe you should pray about it. But it's, it's, it's an everyday conversation. It's, it's the mindset in
0: this part of the world. And so I think it's one reason why uh, the churches of the New Testament were so open to spiritual things. It was their mindset. Mm-hmm. And in fact, even before they came to Christ, they came out of a background. They came from a pagan background that was filled with supernatural. Mm-hmm. So the idea of God doing something supernatural that wasn't hard for them to believe that because they had always seen the supernatural. Mm-hmm. They had just previously functioned in dark supernatural. But now they expected God to do something. Why? Of course. We're serving God. He sh- we should be able to see a visible manifestation of God. And that is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, the manifestation of the Spirit. It's very Eastern kind of a mindset, it's a very biblical mindset that where God is, He becomes conspicuous. Mm-hmm. Isn't that powerful? But hey, I want you to have the download that is free. You can have it by going to render.org. Why We Need the Gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's free. Please get everything that is free in life. This is really good. And we're offering you also right now my series called Why We Need the Gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's 10 parts, and it comes with a wonderful study guide. And I want to recommend one more thing That's on our website. My friend, Tony Cook, (coughs) wrote a tremendous book, did a whole week of programs on it, called Miracles and the Supernatural Throughout Church History, Remarkable Manifestations of the Holy Spirit from the First Century Until Today. And the reason that I want to recommend this is because we're talking about the Eastern world versus the Western world, that if you really look at history, it is documented in this book that it doesn't matter whether you're Eastern or Western, miracles have been consistent for 2,000 years. The Holy Spirit is in the church. He's in the church. He wants and to work. And He's the same. Yes. He didn't change, He's the same. And this book is such a fabulous documentation to prove to you the gifts of the Holy Spirit are still in operation. And if you were raised like us, and you were told when you were young, and it's kind of affected your thinking, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit don't work like they used to, this book will totally set you free. It will factually show you that you were told wrong. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Order this book. Welcome to Home Group, Miss Renner.
2: Oh, thank you, Rick, and Home Group. Welcome. Um, we're so glad that you're with us, and and I was uh, listening. To what you were saying Rick and I thought but you know Romans chapter 12 verse, verse 1 says that we're to renew our minds so whether our minds in eastern or our minds a western our mind needs to get renewed by the word of God and if if you study the miracles of Jesus and you really meditate on what he did he he can open your heart and your mind to what He wants to do through you, what He did, what, he, what happened through Him can happen through us because the same Spirit that raised Him from the dead lives in you. Mm-hmm. And, and so it is renewing our mind to the truth.
0: And you know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, Paul said that he doesn't want us to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. We're not supposed to be ignorant about this. Mm -mm. And the word ignorant, guess what it is in Greek? Agnosis. What word do you hear? Agnostic. Agnostic. Do you know what the word agnostic means? Mm -hmm. Let me tell you a story. One day I was riding on an airplane next to a very wealthy, sophisticated kind of guy. And I decided I would talk to him about the Lord. And I said, well, um, you're very educated. Tell me what you believe about God. He said, oh. I'm an agnostic. I thought, okay, I'm going to take the opportunity to tell him what that means. Everybody thinks they know what it means. I said, sir, you know, my specialty is the Greek language. The word agnostic is from the Greek word agnosis. Do you know what it means? He said, well, why don't you tell me? I said, the word gnosis is the word for knowledge. If you put an A on the front, it becomes agnosis means without knowledge it means stupid I said you're such a bright man I can't imagine that you would sit here and tell me that you're stupid he said I never knew that's what the word agnostic meant if that's the case I'm gonna find out about God because I'm not gonna be stupid I was recently talking to my doctor in Moscow Mm -hmm. I'd just gone for a checkup and Russia for the first time since the Bolshevik Revolution has put the name God in the Constitution. Yes. It's a very big deal. And I was talking to my doctor. He knows that I'm a writer. He's a writer. We have some pretty heady conversations. And he says to me, well, I've been an agnostic, but now God's in the Constitution. I guess it's time for me to find out what the name God means. I thought that was brilliant. Well, a lot of Christians are agnostics. They're just stupid when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit because they've never seen it. It's not taught on. It's not that they're intellectually dense. They just are uninformed. And Paul clearly says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you to be agnosis. I don't want you to be an agnostic when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit. And again, for the Western world, the gifts of the Spirit are a little harder because they examine everything, they want to put it under a microscope, they want to tear it apart, tear it to pieces, dig down to the bottom, take it apart, see if it's real, see if it's not real. In the Eastern world, they're more open to spiritual things. They just, that's just a fact. But like Denise says, doesn't matter where you live, we can renew our mind to the truth that God wants His Spirit to become conspicuous among us. And Paul says, clearly, I don't want you to be an agnostic on this subject of spiritual gifts. Isn't that powerful, Denise?
2: Oh, of course it is.
0: And then in verse 7 again, it says, The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man. I think that means every man. The word Hekastos, no one excluded. And it's called the manifestation. That's so Eastern. Because in the Eastern world, you believe the spirit realm manifests. Well, that's what the Bible says. And the word manifest, the Greek word phanerosis means to be evident, to be clear, to be visible, to be conspicuous. God wants to become conspicuous in church. He wants to be conspicuous in your life. Not just to read about healing that healing becomes conspicuous. Not just to read about deliverance, but deliverance be conspicuous. You see it, you know it. And when you see it and you know it, it just makes Jesus all the more real to you, doesn't it, Denise?
2: Yes, it does. Just yesterday, um, <clears throat> a woman came to me and I, and I had a word of knowledge. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. And that God was healing somebody's skin. And she just yesterday, and she came up to me and she said, she said, I had eczema and she had her hand out there and it was just as clean as could be. And that, when you're touched by the power of God, now we've been touched and absolutely transformed by the power of God because we're saved. I mean, that's the biggest miracle of all, that the nature of a man could be saved, could be changed. But this manifestation of his spirit of healing She was, she was showing me her skin. She was as happy that that eczema was gone as she could be. And the gifts of the spirit, the the healing power of God or the miracle working power of God it gives people's life back to them. That's what Jesus wants to do. He just operates through those gifts because John, you know, 10, 10 says the thief came to steal, kill and destroy, but I came that you might have life and life more abundantly. He wants to increase our life. The devil wants to steal with, with sickness and disease and poverty and problems, but Jesus wants to give back our life.
0: Well, that's why Paul said in verse 7 that they are to bring a profit to everybody.
2: Yes. They
0: bring a profit. They do. I, this is so contrary to everything I had been taught. The word profit is a Greek word which means an advantage. Well, we all want an advantage. Who doesn't want an advantage? The gifts of the Holy Spirit give an advantage to the church that bring an advantage to you, Put you in a supernatural realm that's an advantage. But sometimes I've heard people say, "It's wrong to seek spiritual gifts." Did you ever hear that, Denise?
2: Uh-huh.
0: Wrong to seek spiritual gifts." Really? If they're from God,
2: <laughs>
0: why would it be wrong to seek them? Why, what in the world were we thinking?
2: I don't know, we just kind of listen to whatever somebody said. i
0: got to be careful of those people that seek spiritual gifts. Well, if they're gifts of the Holy Spirit, shouldn't we seek them? Well, I mean, If they're from the Holy Spirit, shouldn't we want them? Of course we should seek spiritual gifts. And in fact, Paul says that straight out in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Look at it. I know. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, follow after love and desire spiritual gifts. Now, let me ask you. The first part of the verse says follow after love. Do we believe that? Are we supposed to follow after love? The word follows the word dioko. It means hit the trail, hunt it down, don't stop until you obtain love. In every relationship, you are to walk in love. Would you argue with that? No, you know you're supposed to walk in love. Well, the second part of the verse, it's in the same verse. If you accept the first part, then you have to accept the second part. And the second part says, desire spiritual gifts. That means if you're supposed to follow after love, you're also supposed to seek and desire spiritual gifts. What in the world were we thinking that it's wrong to seek spiritual gifts? This verse says, to desire them. (laughs) And the word desire, listen to this describes enthusiastically seeking something, someone who has passion, someone that is totally devoted to a thing. It depicts an eagerness to achieve or to possess something, to fervently boil with zealousness for the object that you desire. Moreover, it is the Greek word translated here, desire, but it denotes an intense desire THAT CAUSES ONE TO SEEK SOMETHING UNTIL IT IS OBTAINED. AND WHEN PAUL SAYS SEEK SPIRITUAL GIFTS, THE GREEK LITERALLY MEANS SEEK THE MANIFESTATION OF THE GIFTS OF THE HOLY SPIRIT UNTIL YOU HAVE THEM IN YOUR GRASP AND THEY'RE OPERATING IN YOUR LIFE. SO, LET ME ASK YOU, ARE YOU SUPPOSED TO SEEK SPIRITUAL GIFTS, PAUL? YES, DEFINITELY, AND EXPECT THEM TO OPERATE. Praise God. Okay. Can you have too many spiritual gifts? Because we also heard that, that the Corinthians just had too many of those gifts of the Spirit. <laughs> that is so silly. How can you have too much of God? I don't know. That is just so silly. 1 Corinthians 1.7, Paul really complimented the church of Corinth with these words, You come behind in no gift waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, it means there's supposed to be an operation until the coming of Jesus. And he says, you come behind in no gift. The Greek word, husteras, it carries normally the idea of falling short or having an insufficiency. But Paul says, you come behind in no gift. They had no insufficiency. They had no lack whatsoever. There was not <laughs> one gift of the Spirit missing in the church of Corinth, which means in the first century... If you were going to attend the best conference available on the gifts of the Spirit, you would have gone to Corinth because they knew more about it than anybody else.
2: That's amazing.
0: They were just exploding with spiritual gifts. It is amazing to me. Amazing.
2: But Rick, what you've taught about Corinth and what a terrible place that it was. With as
0: those, a city.
2: As a city. That is the grace of God to have all those gifts. Of course discerning of spirits, the word of knowledge, the word of wit, gifts of healing, miracles. That is the mercy of God.
0: Well, let's see how many gifts they had. Go to 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26. Are you ready for this? <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 14, 26. Paul says, How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you? Hecastus. If you're going to really take the language for what it means, it means when they came to church, every member of the church was ready to move in spiritual gifts. They all came to bring something to the table. Every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. They were exploding with spiritual gifts. I would have loved to have attended a service in the church of Corinth. And then Paul says, let all things be done Unto edifying. Now, most people say, well, you just got to make sure it edifies. (laughs) Well, but notice the first part of that verse. It says, let all things be done. He didn't say, tone it down. That is just over the top. That is just too much. He never said that. He said, man, you guys are amazing. When you come together, every one of you come bringing something to the table. One of you have a song. One of you have a doctor. One of you have a tongue. One of you have an interpretation. One of you have a revelation. First thing he said was, let it all be done. He didn't stop any of it. He just said, let it be done unto edifying. But wait, let's go on. What does edifying mean? Well, let's see where he uses it again. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 12. Even so ye, much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, And Denise, does he condemn them for that? No, he's commending them. Seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. What does that word edifying mean? Well, people say it means all kinds of things. Some people say it means to build yourself up like a battery. No, it does not mean that. That's just a silly thing that caught on that is not right. The word edifying is an architectural term. And here's what it means. It means to enlarge or to amplify a house. It depicts the careful following of an architectural plan to enlarge, increase, or amplify the capacity of a structure. The capacity. The word edify in this verse means to edify, to improve or to leave in an improved condition. And by using this word, which is an architectural term, Paul emphasized just like you have to make room for the Holy, for, if you're going to enlarge your house, you have mm-hmm. to knock the walls out, you have to make space. He's really saying seek to make room in the church for the Holy Spirit to move. Mm-hmm. Seek to make room for him to move. If you're stuck in a box, then knock the walls out. If you feel like you're stuck in a pattern, break it. Open it up. Move the walls. Make it bigger. Amplify your spiritual capacity. When he says, seek to the edifying of the church, he was saying, make room for the Holy Spirit to move because it will leave the church in an improved state of being.
1: Paul. Amen. Everything starts small. Everything that you want the Holy Spirit to do, starts first in a personal way. And I constantly live in this with the state of mind that the Holy Spirit can interrupt me at any time and not just the Holy Spirit but the Holy Spirit perhaps through someone else. So every time we have a staff meeting, of course we come together with a plan. We know what time we're supposed to meet. We know what we're supposed to talk about. We know what the expected result of the meeting should be. But as we're together, I always expect the Holy Spirit to interrupt me to say something or even just in simple communication like in this home group, for instance. Yeah, I was in a prayer meeting once and we knew what the prayer meeting was about. We knew what time it would begin. We knew what time was supposed to be over. We knew what to expect. We had some things that we needed to talk about together. But during the meeting, all of a sudden, one person said, you know, Pastor Paul, can I can I can I say this or can I pray for this? And that opened the door for someone else to say something and someone else to say something and someone and all of a sudden everyone was sharing something from the Holy Spirit. It was not something that they came to the meeting with it was something that happened during the meeting. While we were together they got encouraged to say something or pray about something very specific. First of all you have to come with an expectancy that this can happen and if it happens it's okay. It's probably going to leave you in a better condition than, than you were when you came and you have to make room for it and I was so grateful and especially grateful for the people that are the boldest to start. Now I
0: understand the challenge that people have today because churches have gotten so much bigger you know in the 70s Denise when you and I got baptized in the Holy Spirit there were not any big churches I mean if you went to a church that had 200 people, a church that had 500 people that was a mega church
2: mm-hmm.
0: and when churches are small you don't have multiple services so, you can just hang around and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. But when churches begin to grow, then you move into multiple services, it changes everything. That has good results and it has bad results. The bad results is that we don't have time just to wait for the Holy Spirit to move because cars are in the parking lot, people need to get out because you need to bring people in, and you're paying the police to direct the traffic, so you're stuck with a new structure. That's just the way that it is. And the good is that you're reaching more people. But the bad is, we've made room for people, but we don't have room for the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do. So in our case, in Moscow, we had to, we had to find a solution, because Sunday really is kind of a challenge. First of all, we want the Holy Spirit to direct all the services. If he wants to change the plan, he can change the plan. Worship can go longer. Worship can go shorter. If somebody has a word, we give them the opportunity to bring it. But the Bible's always the emphasis in our church. So we constructed a special service, which Mm -hmm. we have every week on Friday nights, and we blew out the walls. No plan except worship, prayer, and whatever God wants to do. It is so precious. We just wait on the Holy Spirit. We really encourage our home groups to move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You have to make room for this to happen. You have to be intentional about it or it doesn't happen because especially in the Western world, we slip back into our brains. We just naturally in the Western world, we're not going to make room for it. The Eastern world, they have the other problem. They may not want the Bible, they just want all the supernatural. Both parts of the world have their pluses and minuses. But wherever you are, you've got to find that balance of the Word of God, structure, and the moving of the Holy Spirit. But one thing is sure, the word edifying means you have to make space for it. Paul?
1: Yeah. It's wonderful. Please do it in your, in your daily lives. Make it a part of your daily routine to expect the Holy Spirit to interrupt you and expect it to make your life better. Amen. It's not an interruption in a bad sense. It's an intervention in a very good sense because it's going to make your life better. Oh, every time God
0: becomes conspicuous, it's better for everybody. It gives an advantage.
2: Rick, you're talking about intelligent. Who is the most intelligent? God. The Holy Spirit. He knows everything. You can't get higher than Him. And when He says something, He's revealing something you need to
0: know. Yep. Hey, I want to remind you about Tony's book, Miracles and the supernatural throughout church history. If you don't have this book, please get this book. I devoured this book, and I wrote the foreword for it. And, boy, I really wrote it with my whole heart because I think this book is an answer for a lot of people's questions. Thank you for being with us tonight. When we come back tomorrow night, we're going to pick up right here. Tomorrow night's going to really be good. But we'll see you go to bed. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.